sing your grace. Your grace is enough, more than I need. As your word, I will believe. I wait for you, draw me again. Let your spirit make me new, and I will fall at your feet. I will fall at your feet, and I will worship you here. Your presence in me, Jesus, light the way by the power of your word I am restored I am redeemed by your spirit I am free and I will fall at your feet I will fall at your feet and I will worship you here
to stand for our next song. Drop. 
Happy Sabbath. Did you guys watch the Olympics this week? Yes. And who did you see this week? I didn't know Pastor Jenny wasn't going to use my story. Um, Yes, Chloe Kim, representing the U.S. in her parents' motherland. It was great. So I'm going to skip Chloe Kim's story. I'm just going to go to next. You know, um, whenever I see Olympics, and when I, whenever I see these people who uh, win gold medals, you know what I'm always thinking about? I'm always thinking about all the training and the energy they've put in to get where they are, to get gold medal, all the energy and training they went through to become winners, gold medal winners. It's just amazing what they achieve. When I lived in San Diego, we lived only about 20 minutes away from the famous Camp Pendleton. Okay, they trained the, world, the world-renowned United States Marines. The people who sign up for the Marines go through rigorous training for 12 weeks. During those weeks of advanced training, they go through all kinds of struggles and tests. They have to go, they do the crazy physical training, uh, strengthening trainings and teamwork trainings. They go through a severe endurance test of being without shelter, without food or bed, and, and, and they engage in harsh simulated battle because if captured, they would be put through severe times of deprivation and interrogation. See, the thing is, all of this, all of that is designed to prepare the Marines for real battle should they get deployed. A man or a woman of God. That's the theme we're talking about for this series, right? A man or a woman of God is not born. They are shaped and formed through many trainings of their life. God calls out Elijah to speak boldly against the psychotic king of Israel. Then God led him to a place called Kareth Ravin, where he was fed by the ravens. You see, this was a part of training to build Elijah as his special agent. So today, we're going to look at what Elijah encountered during the next stage of the training, in his training as a man of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful and wonderful Sabbath. We're going through this special series of of Elijah as a man of God, Father. And as we go through this, I pray that you pour out your Spirit upon us. Now, as we open the Bible, open our hearts also. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Here, Elijah is instructed by God to leave Kareth Ravine and go to a place called Zarephath. The word Zarephath comes from a Hebrew verb which means to melt or to smelt. This kind of reminds me of a city I'm familiar with. Um, When I was in high school, I used to attend a church in Bakersfield. Anyone from Bakersfield here? Bakersfield is so hot in the summer, um, it hits around 110 degrees sometimes in the summer. I used to go to church there, and then one time the church was, was, was done, and I came out and I went into my car, and I looked at the car, and I had like a candle in my car to make my, my car smell good, right? So I had this candle, and when I came out of the church and looked at the candle in the car, it was completely melted. And so the name, Baker's Field. <laughs> it's a terrible place. Nobody should live there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ed. It's a terrible place. Maybe Zarephath named to melt is just like Bakersfield. It was just so hot. When the drought is so bad and the, and the water has completely run out, okay? And even the brook that he was drinking from completely dried out. Zarephath would be the last place you would want to go. I mean, if California runs out of water, we're already running out of water again, guys, okay? If California runs out of water, I wouldn't want to go to New Mexico or Arizona. You know what I mean? I don't want to go to Oregon or Colorado. But God says, I know it's a drought and there's no water, but I want you to go to Zarephath, Bakersfield. You know, sometimes it feels like God makes us, God makes it so difficult for us to obey Him. It's like, God, can you please make it easier for us to listen to you? God, please, is that really necessary? God, can you please be reasonable? In this severe drought, how would a widow supply food for me? It's like instead of sending me to Oregon, you send me to New Mexico in drought. Now, instead of sending me to a wealthy businessman, you're sending me to a widow? Widows were the poorest of the poorest in the ancient times. Without husbands, they would have no way of producing income or providing for their family. So it gets worse. So check this out. Verse 10. Um, It gets really worse. 
So he went to Zerophath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. And she replies, As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and everyone. What does it say? We may eat it and what? Die! Okay, we have to imagine this, Loma Linda Church. Okay, imagine this. We know that Loma Linda summer is terrible. Do you agree? Yes. Okay? It's dry. It gets so hot. You know the scorching sun of Loma Linda in the summer. Sometimes after church, I go to my car, and um, you can't even touch the steering wheel. It's so hot. You can burn your hands, right? Sometimes you get in the car and the seat can burn your skin. It's terrible. It's just terrible. If you check a map of ancient Israel, you'll find that Zarephath is near Sidon, okay? Which is about 100 miles from Kareth Ravine, okay? When God said, leave Kareth and go to Zarephath, Elijah had to walk. There's no greyhound or, or, or airplane. He had to walk in the desert for 100 miles. So in the scorching sun, in drought season, Elijah had to walk and walk and walk without water, without food. Somehow he barely gets it. He barely gets to Zarephath. And finally he sees that lady that God supposedly prepared for him to supply food. And he's like, oh, finally I see her. And he goes, please give me some water. And um, oh, while you're at it, please give me some food. And then the lady said to him, okay, the lady said to him, you know, this is when Elijah's jaw dropped. Okay, I know the Bible doesn't say that, but trust me, Elijah's jaw dropped here. Okay, well, sir, she replied, um, I don't have any food. I have a little bit of flour and oil at home. I'm going to make some bread. And my son and I are going to eat it. And you would think that she would stop there. I have some little bit of flour and oil. My son and I are going to eat it. And Elijah was hoping that she would, end, she would end right there. But she continued. I was going to eat it with my son and die. The Bible says, make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it. And even the Bible, look at it, makes it dramatic. There's a little pause there. Eat it and die. You see how things went from bad to worse 
for Elijah? Bad to worse. That's what Corinth Rabin to Zarephath was. Bad to worse. From Corinth to Zarephath. Bad to worse. Things are bad, but then it gets worse. We all know what it's like when things go from bad to worse. Um, You just lost your job, and you're struggling financially, and what happens? Your car breaks down. Right? You just failed a test, and then you come home, you're like, oh, I failed my test. And then you find out that your dog back home, back home died. How about this? You're late to church, okay, because you're children. And then you finally drive into the parking lot of church, and you're already 15 minutes late, and then you're jumping out of the car because you're in a hurry, and your daughter goes, Dad, I have no shoes on. And you go, go barefoot! And as soon as you say, go barefoot, church member walks by, and they're like, pastor's mad. (laughs) On Sabbath. (laughs) Bad to worse. Poor Elijah. He goes took Corinth Ravine and things were good for a while and then the food runs out and the, the, the brook runs out. So he leaves Corinth and goes to Zarephath listening to God, obeying God and he sees this lady who's supposed to give him food. She goes, oh yeah, you know what my plan is? I'm going to eat this food and die. What a surprise, Elijah. Welcome to Zarephath, where things go from bad to worse. Have you ever been blindsided by first impressions? It's interesting, because everyone tells me, Lomar in the church, I don't know if this was your experience, but apparently everyone tells me, everyone tells me, I give terrible first impressions. Is it true? Who agrees that I get? Did I give you a first, bad first impression? Raise your hand. Put your hand down. Why do you? Why you one first? I'm just kidding. Apparently, I give really bad impressions, like first impressions. Have you ever made plans for going to a new school or or a new church or or moving to a new new town or a new job? then suddenly it's completely different than you had planned. You went anticipating that things would be better. Maybe not even better, but at least good, right? And you get there and things are worse. The job is worse. The church is worse. The place is 
worse. It's like you had like an okay boyfriend, and then you're like, oh, next one's gonna be good, and I'm like, oh, my next one's gonna be good, and then you meet them, it's like, oh, bad news. He's worse. Elijah left Corinth and came to Zarephath, but things got worse. He listened to God and followed the instruction of God, and things went from bad to worse. I mean, what a letdown. What a letdown. How disappointing is that? Roma Linda Church, this would, this would put me in depression. You know what I mean? Man, I would not have taken this well at all, especially with the like, lack of food. I'd be absolutely hangry. I'm like, God, really? I traveled 100 miles, and the widow, you told me, goes, like, give me food? She's going to eat and die. Man. This would have been really, really ugly if I was Elijah. But you know how Elijah dealt with it? Okay, Roman the church, listen. You know how Elijah dealt with it? He dealt with it like a man of God. Elijah dealt with it like a man of God. See, this is what separates Elijah from all others, okay? Elijah walked into a situation that was, from all human perspective, impossible. It seemed devastating, uh, discouraging, disappointing, debilitating. What else? Um, uh, depressing, um, de- desolating. You know what I mean? Terrible. But the good news is that Elijah saw beyond the difficult situation. He saw beyond that. Elijah handled the problem with faith, not fear. It was a terrible situation. Devastating situation, but when Elijah came and when he saw the situation, Elijah did not handle it with fear, but he handled it with faith. You see the difference there? Faith instead of fear. Look at this, verse 13, next verse. Elijah said to her, What did he say? Do not fear. Do not fear. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. Verse 14, For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of your flour will not be used up and the jug of your oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry. Can I hear amen? Amen. Amen. 
You see, Elijah went way beyond the first impressions. He handled the situation with faith, not fear. How could he do that? You know how? Because he was an emerging man of God. You know the rest of the story. They all ate from that day on until the rain came down. The jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. God provided everything. God did the impossible. Can you imagine? It's like you have a rice cooker. It's like you open it up. It's rice every day. The refrigerator, we open like panchan every day. God is saying, I'll provide for you. You have nothing to worry about. God was training Elijah to do something great. Remember, 19 consecutive evil kings, okay? 200 years of idolatry and apostasy in northern Israel. God said, that's enough. That's enough. And he said, I'm going to do something. Okay, Roman, I, I want you to know something. When you go through hardship in your life, when things go bad to worse, sometimes God says, enough. I'm going to send some people and I'm going to bring back life for you. I'm going to bring back rain in your drought. God says, I'm going to do something impossible. Okay? God is on the move. God who brought the spring of water in the desert. God who brought bread from the sky. The same God wanted to bring light into the darkness. I'll bring life to the dead. You know the story does not end here. You know that, right? Well, let's look at the story. In these next few verses, Loma Linda Church, God foreshadows, God foreshadows what He's about to do for all humanity. Okay? God says, I'm on the move. I'll bring back life. Check this out. Verse 17 Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? It's funny because she's actually calling him man of God, but she's blaming Elijah for the death of her son. Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Not only that she blames Elijah, she actually blames God too. And saying, am I being punished by God for my sins? Did God kill my son because of my sins? Verse 19. Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying. 
Okay, normally in the church. Why upper room? Okay, who who worked a lot in up in upper room? Am I making it kind of obvious? So Elijah took him to the upper room and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then listen to this. Lord in the church, listen. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. Okay, this is so weird, okay? So strange. I know this is an unusual method, okay? And why did he do it three times? I don't know. But you have to picture this. He got on the bed where the boy was laying down, and what happened? He put his body and stretched it. Hand to hand, leg to leg, head to head, and prayed to God, bring back to life. Now, everyone, look at me. What does this look like? Cross. You see what Elijah did here? You see what the Bible did here? There was a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do to all humanity. And look at this. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked him up, the child, and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Have you heard that before? Look, your son is alive. Is referring to the resurrection of Jesus. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Lomar in the church. Check this out, okay? Do you realize, do you realize that nobody ever raised from the dead before this? Elijah didn't have any reference to God's power of resurrection. In other words, up to this point in the Bible, there has been no account of anyone ever raised from the dead. But this man of God had faith. He believed in God of hope for the hopeless. God who brings the spring of life and God who brings the bread of life. God who brings life back. God who understands the situation of bad to worse in our lives and goes, I'll bring your life back. Loma Linda Church, anyone here this morning, does your life feel like a drought? Do you feel like your brook is running dry? Do you feel like things are going bad to worse?
in your life. What we learn from the man of God is trust God. Trust God of hope. He will bring back life. Maybe your life is good. It's like, Pastor Richard, my life is good. But you know what? One day, you're drinking water, but one day, your brook may run dry. You may have to leave Corinth Ravine and head to Zarephath. It happens in life. And you're going to realize that, wait a minute, why is it not getting better? Why is it getting worse? If you wish to be a man or a woman of God, it is essential that you face the impossible situations of life, but you face it with faith, not fear. Just like Elijah did. If you are a person who desires to live your life as a man or woman of God, you must learn to trust God through your bad and your worst. They will come. God may take you from Kareth to Zarephath. These circumstances will crush you. There, are, there may be desolation and destruction or desperation in your life, but you can rise from it. You can rise from it. You can rise from it. And God will bring life. The God of Elijah is your God. He is the God of impossible, God of hope, and the God who brings back life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we learn today that in life, sometimes you may lead us from Corinth to Seraphath. Sometimes we may face situations where things turn from bad to worse. But Lord, help us not to handle it or deal with it with fear. Help us to deal with it with faith like a man or a woman of God. Because you are the God of hope. You are the God who brings back life. In Jesus' name, amen.